Hi, and welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV Movie Awards podcast, where we look at every yeah, everyone's favorite People's Choice Award, award show, the MTV Movie Awards, year by year, category by category, and try and work out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Gregg, a foremost kissing expert. And today we're here to talk about Best Kiss 2006. How are you today, Ben? I'm doing really, really well. Um, yeah, I, I spaced out these movies a lot more than I usually do. I think I started, like, the first one, like, almost right after we finished our our last episode. And then I finished up the last one, uh, I think, yesterday. So I, I gave I gave each movie enough time to breathe, you know? Yeah. Huh. Wow. Did that make a big difference than when you do them all in one in a row? Not really, honestly. I, I, you know, I also, I think I watched like three other movies that weren't even on the list, um, just like, just for fun. And I'm glad to know that even when a movie's at normal speed, I, th- I still think I take things in at about the same, as the same pace. I'm glad to know oh, that I'm still like getting the full experience here. of the movies. Just... <laughs> yeah, I saw, I saw Free Guy. I saw The Green Knight, and I just saw um, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings yesterday. Oh, wow. Uh, three? Well, I mean, I haven't seen the Shang or Shang-Chi yet or whatever, but I know Green Knight and Free Guy are two very different movies. <laughs> well, I mean, they're both the same as in that they're both really, really good and, like, masterpieces in their class. <laughs> yes, similar similar masterpieces. Um. Yeah, so, I don't know about you, Ben, but I found that, for the most part, this is a pretty strong year for kissing. Yeah, oh my gosh, I, I didn't expect to have, like, such good kisses going in. Um, it's just been, like, a solid, solid year. In, like, movies that I wouldn't expect having, like, an amazing kiss, kind of similar to um, The Girl Next Door Kiss. In a lot of these, kind of felt like that one, where, like, I was kind of out of left field with how good the kiss was. Yeah, um, with one notable exception, I'll sh- I'm sure we'll <laughs> yeah, get to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it was something where, like, it, it really was, because it really was one where I'm like, oh, this might have been the hardest one making that decision yet, so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it also, like, I don't feel, it doesn't really help that, um, I know, I know the, some of these, some of the kisses aren't, like, on up for the running but like sin city was like an anthology i didn't know that going in obviously um but it was an anthology where i think each story i think except for one like had a kiss in it one of those kisses was really creepy and weird um maybe that was the point um <laughs> but all the other ones were just kind of really like sweet or like cool um yeah yeah was very happy that well, in my opinion, the cor- yeah, like one of the correct kisses was nominated for yeah, exactly. Um, I usually make a point to like not um, like look at the names, or I don't really know actors, so even looking at the names like doesn't help at all. But I try to make a point to like wait till I watch the entire movie before I like try to figure out what the kiss was. Um, so I was really I was really glad that it wasn't the the Bruce Willis one. But yeah, no, this year was absolutely uh fantastic for kisses and like pretty good for movies yeah i agree so 
Before we get into it, though, the 2006 MTV Movie Awards were held on Saturday, June 3rd, and hosted by Jessica Alba. And then it was broadcast on June 8th on tape delay. Best movie was won by Wedding Crashers. <laughs> we talked about that last time. I need to watch it again. I I stand that I really enjoyed it, but maybe maybe that opinion has changed over time. Now that I've become a, a movie connoisseur. Yeah, you'll go, oh, hmm. Like, I'm not sure Owen Wilson's doing it this time. <laughs> yeah, Owen Wilson, stick to cars, okay? We all know when you peaked. <laughs> and that was your maybe four lines in Cars 2, okay? Yeah, um, other films up for best movie that year were 40-Year-Old Virgin, Batman Begins, King Kong, and Sin City. Uh, one of which we'll be talking about in a bit. <laughs> yeah, what a weird list and what a weird winner that's i oh man i i would not have uh i would not have thought that those movies would have would have had the wedding crashes come out on top i don't remember if um because i remember liking it but i was very very young when king kong came out but i wonder if that movie holds up i know the ps2 game is awesome because you get to kill giant centipedes with spears and it's like the scariest thing ever but that's my experience with King Kong. Oh, King Kong I watched, like, I think last year. Like, sometime recently, and I I love it a lot. It's it, it's probably too long in that, like, you know, Peter Jackson makes The Lord of the Rings, and he's like, oh, yeah, I can just make anything, like, three hours and whatever. But I'd say it's worth it. The, the like, all, all the bits of it are really good, though. So just a sucker for classic King Kong stuff. But, yeah. We're not here to talk about King Kong this time, sadly, because No Kiss from King Kong was nominated. Oh, um, no. <laughs> if we ever do Best Fight, King Kong does get nominated for Kong versus the Planes. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you know, last year we noticed that they started giving out something called the Silver Bucket of Excellence. So, first they gave it to Breakfast Club, and this year they gave it to Do the Right Thing. And then Jim Carrey actually, won an MTV Generation Award. No, I actually watched Do the Right Thing pretty recently. Um, I I always uh, I just think that <laughs> I don't know why I just think it's like kind of um, it's like a funny movie title. Uh, I don't know why because it's just like it's just like a statement. Um, <laughs> man, Spike Lee, you can make a good movie, but in this one, I don't think you can act very well. <laughs> Um, it's like, it's, it's very, very, uh, it's really especially apparent, especially considering that everyone like surrounding him in that movie does a fantastic job, but Spike Lee, like all of his lines kind of stick out like a sore thumb of like, this is kind of sounds like a high school kid reading off a script. Um, nothing against him though. He does make good movies. You're like, yeah, get back behind the camera, you. (laughs) Exactly. But the movie itself is really, really good. I liked it a lot. Yeah, Do the Right Thing, uh, one of the the best, I think. And hmm, Apparently this year they also gave out something called the MTVU Student Filmmaker Award, where I guess students just submitted films, and then people had to vote on them for MTV Movie Awards. (laughs) Oh, that's so, so weird. Who won that? Um, A Beautiful Lie by uh, Joshua Caldwell, who... Yeah, well, hopefully when we when we finish up 
uh, kisses, fights, heroes, sexiest performance, best fight, uh, best comedic performances. We can get to that one, and we can try and try our darndest to find wherever these might exist. Because that actually seems like a really interesting category. That's actually really cool. I wish um, uh, maybe it does. You're more of a movie buff than I am. Did the Oscars have anything that like is like kind of shines a light on more like indie projects? Um, no, not re- not really. It's yeah. I like to use like a pretty good like analogy. The fighting game Marvel versus Capcom three. Um, Jesus. Those games are at its best when you got like a half or a third of the roster is like yeah we all know these guys you know you got Ryu from Street Fighter you got Iron Man but like the best is when it's like a third those guys and like two thirds like who the hell is this guy why is this just a tentacle eye with with like nothing else like who is Taskmaster that was actually like a big question back when that game came out um it's like a skeleton with like a sword and shield what the hell um and like they're at yeah i know who taskmaster is (laughs) well no i don't feel like the majority of people knew who he was before before like that Um, i'm just saying in the era that was like a odd pull you know um and even even like back when uh it too came out of iron man was like a big pull because like war machine in terms of like video games was always like more or less the front runner over iron man most of the time before then and to say the same thing, I think sort of uh, movie awards, like stuff like that, or sort of movie recognitions in general, are sort of, I think, at their best when you sort of recognize things that did really, really well, and then can use that attention and that power to point people in directions of like really, really interesting stuff, not dissimilar to our recommendations of the week. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That was a good analogy. It's funny you mentioned War Machine being like, involved because iron man was just a weird thing in the 90s where i think the character was off the board for a couple years at one point he was evil at one point he was just like a teenager like it's and war machine was kind of just like the main one they followed in that book but yeah no absolutely but yeah no i guess you had to bring that all around like always make sure to like shine a light on like really obscure stuff i think like the best way to recommend things um, is just to find the things that you like personally love and just share those with people. Um, I think those are like that's like the best way because like I, I think some of my my favorite songs were found that way. Where like I just ask somebody what's your favorite song, and that's usually the best way to get about it instead of like people trying to like guess what you would like or like give an answer of like oh if th- I think you would like this you know yeah. I think that was uh, yeah good talk. This is good on our podcast about <laughs> sharing light on underfeatured things. Yeah, especially as we get into the latter part of the MTV Movie Awards nomination <laughs> category. <laughs> yeah, I see we're we're approaching the the twilight era pretty soon. That'll be fun. Though. Yeah, I think so. Um, I yeah, I think I've only ever seen the first one, so it'll be neat. Yeah, I recently watched all the twi- twilights <laughs> for. I'm a different thing in, and yeah, it's. I mean, of the four that get, of the four that get nominated, I, I like two of them, and the other two are at least definitely offer a lot to talk about. So, <laughs> we'll have no shortage of stuff. But before we get to that, we have to talk about the 2006 Best Kiss nominee slate, presented by Eva Mendez and Justin Timberlake. I don't know if they were doing anything then, but it seems like 
that's one of those presenter combinations where I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, I think this is around the time of Justin Timberlake's, like, best album, Future Sex Love Sounds, you know, maybe perform Sexy Back or something there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, without further ado, for 2006, and the nominees are... Taraji P. Henson and Terrence Howard, Hustle and Flow. Anna Ferris and Chris Marquette, Just Friends. Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Rosario Dawson and Clive Owen, Sin City. And the winners are Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger, Brokeback Mountain. Um, I watched uh, Brokeback Mountain last, as I do for these. Um, I thought it was like a really, really good movie. I'm not really surprised. I, I always um, am very interested to like watch these movies that I've like heard about and like know about and like um and like sort of get the general like premises of that sort of become these icons to see if like was this like actually good or was this just something that like was just hype at the time and just has lasted throughout the years just based off that but safe to say i did enjoy the movie quite thoroughly yeah um i was having the same way where i had never seen this one it had been on my list for the a long time uh the director uh Anjali has done other films I really enjoy, like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Gemini Man, and the 2003 Hulk film. Really interested in this one and was not let down. Yeah, I gotta watch that Hulk film, though. I, I've heard from you that it's it's actually quite good. Yeah, it it's a wild <laughs> movie. Um, <laughs> Definitely a film that I did not appreciate at the time, and then I watched it as an adult. I'm like, oh no, this is yeah, awesome. Hopefully, like, in a couple of years, you'll feel the same way about Electra. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. So, um, do we know uh, which kiss in question it is in this movie, or is that? Uh... Um, I don't think we know for sure. I didn't find the ceremony. Uh, did you, did you when... assume it's the one where like? They sort of meet up again for the first time, and it's like where um where Heath Ledger's character's wife like sees it happen. Is it? You think it's that one? Then, yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah, that's the one I'm pretty that sure is it a is. Knockout kiss. That is so good. Oh my gosh. Oh man, and I I guess this is um, I guess I'll bring up this little tangent just so I don't uh forget. Um, I was once uh at a party in Calgary with the actor who played Heath Ledger as a kid in that one flashback scene. And during a drinking game, I kissed him. So I, oh, wow. I, wanted, I just wanted everyone to know that I am the kissing expert for a reason, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, that was the thing, too, where I'm, like, watching that scene, I'm like, oh, man, I'm like, Ben and I hung out with that guy once. I, I did not kiss him, but I think we watched the Olympics together the next morning. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I remember that did happen during the Olympics. What a what a wild time! And our friend slipped out on a patio because she didn't know it was a patio. That was me. Oh, that was you. <laughs> I, I thought that was Bailey. <laughs> oh, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Glad to get that story on the record here. Um. <laughs> In my defense, <laughs> it was a very fancy house. It was. I, I will. I will vouch for him in that. Like I would have made the exact same mistake if, uh, if given, if uh, 
given the same opportunity absolutely i missed the part of the tour where they're like yeah this is the patio oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah um yeah brokeback mountain um i remember oh no i remember um it is just a really i was surprised like how i guess it didn't happen very fast but it seems like like their first like uh like uh romantic interaction was very intense and i like i i didn't i didn't realize i thought it was more of like a slow boil and um also i guess in line with like my perception of movies like uh like the titanic and the notebook i thought the entire movie was them up in the mountains um i i didn't realize there was going to be this like surprisingly large time span this movie takes place over yeah that was something i like kind of no no sewer was a bit surprised by that like the most of the stuff like in the titular mountain is actually just kind of like the first act of the movie and then yeah like the rest of it is just kind of like the aftermath yeah and just sort of what happens after that um yeah because like the first the first act is like the titular mountain where they they have their like romantic interactions um one of like the like the bosses i guess sees it so like Jake Gyllenhaal is no longer, like, allowed to, like, work for that. Heath Ledger, like, starts an entire family. I think uh, Jake starts a one a little bit later um, with someone that he meets at, like, a rodeo because he's, like, a, a bull rider. And, yeah, they both kind of start their families. And then they get in, like, contact with each other, like, four years later to go back up to, to Brokeback Mountain. And then the movie is just sort of them, like, living their lives and every once in a while going up to Brokeback and jake's character like really wanting to like start this whole life with uh with heath's character and heath ledger just not having the means to or not really believing that it could work uh, mainly because of the the, f- the flashback that we previously talked about like was like i think it, it, correct me if i'm wrong it was just like someone who was like beaten to death for like being uh being gay is that is that it? Yeah, yeah the kind of Oh yeah, yeah. For, I guess for context, this is like yeah. this was like Texas, or uh, I don't know where Brokeback Mountain was, but this was it in like in like the sixties and I guess seventies. Yeah, it's the film like the actual Brokeback Mountain thing. I believe is in like Wyoming, and then a lot of it's in Texas, or at least part of it is in like te- Texas. But yeah, just kind of that part of the world in nineteen sixty three. Yeah, pre a lot of things and. Yeah, the whole idea is Jake Gyllenhaal's this guy who kind of just wants to li- live more openly and doesn't quite care, you know, what people think. I think his character Jack Twist and he and Heath's character, like Ennis, had this experience as a child where his father kind of walked them out past this person who had yeah been beaten and just strung up basically, and. Yeah, for be for being gay, and this kind of causes him this. So, yeah, well, I don't even think like they knew the guy was gay. It was just that he was suspected. So this has kind of just traumatized him to a degree, that like he, and that he's reluctant to act on these feelings because like that's just the world they, they yeah. live in. So yeah, yeah. He also um at some point in the movie he like gets a divorce with his wife, and now he's paying like alimony. Which, like, means that not only does he have, like, a, like, emotional and, like, psychological restriction to this, he also has, like, a financial and sort of real-world, like, I can't just 
pack up and leave everything. Like I need to keep my job. I need to, I need to like do what I do, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, it makes for like a, yeah, a pretty powerful movie. Like, it's, Oh yeah. And it's like, like, I really like this and I, I feel like it's happened. It must've happened in movies previously on this list. Um, but just when like, I guess I always say this, but like, there should just be, this is just know this going in. I guess spoilers. Um, this happens so abruptly and like i that's like the point and like it's a little more real that way um jake gyllenhaal's character uh it's heavily implied that he suffers like the same fate as the as the guy that heath ledger's character saw when he was a kid and that he's like he was like beaten to death because he got uh he must have gotten outed well i mean it's kind of ambiguous to have if that actually happened or if that's just like his fear that that's what happened like that's something i like about that that i kind of jake gyllenhaal at a certain point like marries anne halfway and they work at this tire thing and then like there's a point where because oh yeah because they send postcards to each other and that's how they communicate and there's a point where he receives a postcard he had sent marked with like deceased and he calls anne halfway and she explains that oh a car tire exploded in his face and he died in this accident and but he kind of visualizes this as like this violent murder and like it's kind of left up to see what kind of happened and i think it's more powerful that you never find out for sure that you kind of have to... yeah the fact that this happens like pretty like first of all this happens after i think like the emotional climax of the movie where like that famous line like i wish i could quit you or i wish i knew how to quit you um there's sort of big blow up where they they sort of accept the fact that like I don't think they're ever gonna have the life that they want together. Um, and this comes after Heath Ledger's like, Yeah, we can't meet up again until November will be the next time and like it's all just starting to like like crash in on them, like how how like fragile and how sparse what they have can actually be. And then like right after that scene, that's when he gets like the letter and it hits you like a ton of bricks because it's just like there's no it's just flat out. It's just you essentially get to realize it in tandem with Heath Ledger's character, or uh, uh, Enos, or uh, Ennis, and it's just like, boy, like um, I won't, I won't, uh, I won't. I'll be transparent. Um, I watched this one on my phone at work, just uh, just time wise. Um, it's like the only time I I, I could, um, and like even then, like man, I needed to, like, take a break after that, because that just was a... It was an emotionally heavy toll. Yeah. This definitely is, like, an emotional movie, and there's a lot of really, like, dramatic scenes, but, you know, it never feels, like, overwhelming. Like, it's... I think everything is handled very well and just played very well, and... Yeah, it all feels, like, very grounded. Nothing feels like, um... Like, I, I would need to rewatch it, but I feel like there's no real, like, um use of like pretty manipulative like music or anything like everything's like very like dry and real and like i think that in heightens it very very well like especially during like the big scenes i also um <laughs> i think i sent you like a, a tiktok and it turns out that that was a jake chilling all from uh from brokeback mountain um oh yeah you sent this tiktok and you're like can't wait to find out what this means i'm like Oh, you see one thing of Jake Gyllenhaal in like a cowboy hat, and you just assume it's Brokeback Mountain. 
I also knew it was just broke back. <laughs> yeah, it was just no, yeah, no. Just... I, I was, I actually, I was getting near the end of the movie, and I was like, oh no, what if it's not? What if I just did make an assumption about Jake Gyllenhaal in like a in a cowboy hat? And then yeah, the movie just sort of ends with um, Heath Ledger like going to see Jake Gyllenhaal's parents, um, and him getting like him like wanting, I guess. He, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal wanted ha- like like at least half of his ashes uh, spread at Brokeback Mountain, but like the father's like we have a family like we have a family, I can't remember the word he used, but it's like a family grave site, and like he's gonna be buried there. Yeah, like a family plot is. Uh... And I think the mother, like, says you can go up to his room if you want to, and he takes like the coat that uh that he wore. During, I think, like, their first uh, time out there. Yeah, it's... Yeah, like, he had worn this shirt that... Like, he finds one of his own shirts, and then it is hanging with another one, like, a shirt Jake had that was... Because there's a point where they also have a fight, and his shirt kind of gets bloodstained, and he kind of just kept it there. Yeah, so he just takes the shirts instead of the ashes. Then he has a conversation with his own daughter, who's, like, engage and ask him for like the wedding and you know it ends with like now you see that he has the shirts hanging together and there's and there's like a postcard as well and then it of course goes to and this is really good where he fledger like he's just who okay because as you kind of guess like or has you might have guessed from us saying that he was dealing with this stuff he's a bit less emotionally vulnerable so then there's a thing where like in the end he has like tears in his eyes and it's this really strong thing and then you know the kind of as his last last thing you know jack i swear which is just a really good way to like end okay, this movie thank you because i could not parse what he was saying in that I, I i didn't i made sure i didn't watch it again in two times speed but i could not parse what he was saying in that but um yeah no <laughs> Even without that, you're saying like, that no, at work on your phone, you were a bit distracted. From... <laughs> no, I I sat down and I played it at normal speed. I just couldn't hear it like through his uh through his I guess southern drawl or like his like thick cowboy accent. Um, but I'm glad like even even sans that, it's still an insanely impactful scene. Um, I guess I can vouch for that now. But he, knowing what he did say, it's like it definitely adds to it. Yeah, so the kisses we implied, like, we're pretty sure happens after, because, oh yeah, because after the, not on the initial mountain, though, that's also, like, a pretty good good one where, you know, they haven't been getting along, and then they wind up having this, like, powerful encounter, but there's a thing, it's it's about four years later, I think, where... Yeah, it would be, like, four years later when, like, he, he pulls up to, like, because they're gonna, they're gonna go quote-unquote fishing, but, uh, when they, like, first meet, it's almost like they, like, can't control themselves, like, they, like, they, it's just so, it's so passionate and, like, raw, it's amazing, and they just sort of, like, start making out, and they sort of, like, push themselves, like, into a corner, but the, the wife of Heath Ledger does see. Yeah, future best kiss nominee, Michelle Williams, who... (laughs) She was, she was, uh, looking, and maybe... Maybe taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like, one day when I like kiss Venom, this will be like. <laughs> oh. oh yeah, I'll say just I think that like both of the wife characters are really good in that like they're not just one dimensional like you know people getting in their way. You kind of understand where they're coming from and. 
Uh, yeah, like you said, Michelle Williams and Anne Hathaway. I, those are like two pretty famous ones. I don't know. I just didn't know. Um, but um, yeah, no, they. I literally just said the name Michelle Williams. What's her? <laughs> I literally just said Michelle Williams like a minute ago. You had to look it up. Listen, there's a reason that um, usually I try to have like a notepad with all the characters' names in like parentheses, um, and that. But like those two, absolutely, like they feel like they're actually like people. They aren't just like roadblocks in between these like two um these two lovers like they absolutely have like their own kind of uh their own like reasons and like i i um Anne hathaway's character um i guess sort of is like she kind of throws herself into like her work and like it feels like they're they're in sort of a bit of a uh a bit of a passionless marriage it sort of feels like um which might be like a, a bit of both playing into that yeah, and then Michelle Williams is just this thing where this, you know, it's kind of she tries to ignore it until she can't anymore, and there's a really, like, strong scene where, like, she mentions that on one of these fishing trips, she had, like, left, like, a note and all the, all this stuff, and then when, and then when he had got back, she had, like, checked, and it was just completely untouched, like, and that's how she's like, oh, yeah, he's not actually going fishing here, like, it's... Yeah, exactly. Which, like, how can you not do, like, a little fishing, you know? But yeah, I think I've said uh, about everything I have to say about it. It's a great movie. Yeah, I'll, I'll say the acceptance speech uh, was just Jake Gyllenhaal, and it's really, it's, it's like a pretty solid one. He's up there, he's like, you know, when he couldn't be here and I were, like, filming, filming like this, I told him, I'm like, and I'm like, you know, if this was the MTV Movie Award for Best Kiss, this will all be worthwhile. And... <laughs> Oh. <laughs> and then it was just flattering the people for like voting for them over all the other ones it's like yeah we did it and he said this like podium and it's, it's pretty good but oh that's awesome yeah also Anna Ferris uh pulling pulling double duty on this list oh yeah oh yeah Anna Ferris doing the classic just appearing two movies on the list yeah I think that's everything I had to say about Brokeback Mountain uh glad I got to see a little piece of um of uh, cinema, I don't know cinema history, but definitely like iconic pieces of cinema. Yeah, me, me too. It was definitely a nice, you know. I mean, it's all, it's it's nice in general when we watch these movies. And we're like, oh, this is actually really good. But it's nice when we have a watch like one of the yeah, classics. Exactly. It's always nice to know that like it's it's I, I I'm finding that it's a little rare that like this really popular movie is actually like really really bad like the worst it usually is is that like eh, it doesn't really live up to the hype but um i'm glad that this one absolutely did um if not exceeded it because like yeah great movie yeah and oh yeah oh i guess one one last thing in is jake gyllenhaal won best performance it seems to i don't know if this happened last year i didn't notice but at a certain point mpb movie awards becomes one of the first major like award shows to just stop splitting up like the best performance categories along gender lines and just do him like mixed oh that's cool good job mtv yeah um but with that we can move on to hustle and flow i believe yeah i really enjoyed this movie i i didn't um i'll talk about the ending when we get there but the ending made me assume that this movie was based off like a true story but or like based off like an actual like uh, person, but it, it wasn't, um, which is I guess really like really interesting. Um, just because usually when a movie sort of ends a certain way, 
um, or like has like certain decisions, I kind of, my brain just goes like, oh, that's kind of weird. I wonder if this is because they're like, have to like kind of tailor it to a real event. But no, it was just like a really interesting decision and like pretty, pretty cool decision that they decided what, how they ended the movie. Yeah, I, yeah, I kind of agree with that where it is sort of structured like almost like it is sort of like a, a biopic type film, but it's about like a fictional character. You were like, who's DJ again? Why do I know that name? Exactly. Yeah, this movie is about um, Terrence Howard's character DJ, who's like a um, pimp who sort of um, is like this sort of discovers or it, it oh, like has this like passion for, for rapping and sort of after going to this um, I think choir with like one of his one of his like uh, friends played by Anthony Anderson um, key he sort of like gets him I guess him empowered or like impassioned to to start like wanting to like take it really seriously and he wants to like make a demo. Yeah, it's this thing where he's kind of like going through a midlife crisis a bit. His his life is like he sits in this car with one of his yeah with one with one of like the this Nola played by Taryn Taryn Manning who does stuff in the back of the car while like he's just around and he does philosophy things and is just kind of disaffected and yeah he decides to like throw himself into like hip hop and they recruit um this guy dj qual actually yeah someone played by an actor named dj helping dj but I believe it's this guy shelby and he makes a bunch of flow songs i believe that's what they call but yet at no point does he ever make a hustle song yeah yeah no um yeah, so essentially, like the yeah, like I said, the inciting incident is sort of um, DJ going to like this this um, church uh, procession or no, I guess church choir rehearsal with his friend Key that he sort of just like um, meets and he sort of he's sort of moved by the music. Um, so when he decides that he's going to take it a little more seriously, Key and like um, Shelby played by yeah, D- DJ Qualls. Um, is like sort of like the mixing guy for like the church choir so he ends up being able like to, to help him out and then i guess early on in the movie it's also stated that like um a character uh skinny black played by Ludacris, is going to be like coming into town and um dj um is like uh is like yeah we were like buddies back in the day so like maybe i can like talk to him about like getting like my stuff off the ground you know yeah just that kind of yeah using these connections uh try and get up yeah and then like yeah the movie is just slowly like while like sort of tension is running in the background because of um because of i guess like the situation they're in um like being being a being a pimp is is in no way easy yeah one might even say it's hard out there for a pimp (laughs) exactly yeah and like that's the name of their big single for people who did not watch <laughs> yeah, Hustle like, and oh, Flow. If we have listeners that did not watch Hustle and Flow as the pre-required requisite to listen to this episode, I'm shaking my head at you. Yeah, we of course require everyone to listen, <laughs> watch all five movies before. <laughs> exactly. With the you can make one mulligan, and that's it. <laughs> but yeah, they slowly start to realize that like, hey, like we need like a hook. We can't just be like you can't just like keep like rapping and it keeps going and going. There needs to be like brevity. There needs to be like a break. There needs to be like a, a chorus. So um, 
I think they, um, I think they get one of the, because one of, I think his, um, his employees, his hoes, his, uh, his prostitutes, his prostitutes, um, is like pregnant. So like she is not, yeah, uh, that's where Taraji P. Henson kind of, yeah, exactly. Uh, her character names, uh, Shug or Shug. So she sort of comes in and is able like to sing like, like really beautifully, like the, the choruses and stuff like that. Um, I definitely, uh, had to like, I, I always try to do this whenever it's like a musical type movie. I'll always like not play the song scenes at two times speed. Cause I feel like it misses a lot of the, I feel like it misses a lot of the timing and stuff, but no, the, these, these songs are also like really, really cool. I, I really, really like them. You're like, wow, he's the fastest <laughs> rapper alive. Exactly. <laughs> So, like, they sort of are, like, coming together to sort of make this mixtape um, at a certain point. Um, there's, like, a scene where, like, I think they're... I can't remember where they're where they're going, but I think they're going um, sort of somewhere, I guess, to meet with somebody or to, like, try and make some connections. And, like, right before they leave, um, Terrence Howard's character, like, runs back in. And um, how, how does... The, uh, it's a... Teresha? I believe it's, yeah, Taraji? Or... This might be wrong, that's just how I've always kind of just said it. Yeah, and then, like, I guess to get to the kiss, he, like, runs in and kisses, uh, uh, Tarashi P. Henson's character, and it's, like, beautiful. Oh my gosh, it's like, and it hits you out of nowhere. I was, I was expecting there to be, like, kind of like a a pretty good kiss near like the end or something like that um i was not expecting this uh this blockbuster of a kiss just coming out of nowhere like girl next door style um i was blown away yeah this what this was girl next door was actually kind of the comparison in my head too where it's a really good kiss like it's it's hard to say because it's like ben says it's it's not even something i like build up to like it's not like some big sweeping notebook thing it's just him like realizing hey i want to like be be with her like he appreciates the support and then just running back in to kiss her and it's like wow yeah it's it is definitely it's amazing i would like this movie is really, really good. Um, I really like uh, Anthony uh, Anderson's character. I think he's really funny. He just, like, says a lot of funny stuff. Like, just because you got the bacon and the lettuce doesn't mean I'm going to give you my toast. I really love that. Um, <laughs> uh, I Yeah, and just, I don't know, he's just, like, a pretty, pretty, like, uh, he's, like, a nice... He's, he, like, he bounces off of um, Terrence Howard's character, DJ really really well. Yeah, like I'm mostly familiar with Anthony Anderson through like you know his, his hit show Blackish or whatever, and but like it's interesting seeing him in like have a different role in just a very different world, and yeah, he he definitely does good. Uh, I think kind of all the prostitutes are like really good, and the dynamic there is kind of in- interesting with them, where like he. Yeah, you know, Canelli's mostly like a good pimp, but also like he's a guy who has a bit of a temper. At one point, he like throws one of like his prostitutes out because like she makes fun of his art, and she has like a like one one year old basically. Like it's yeah, that that scene's like wow. Like that's a definitely that's like a really good like uh, scene that sort of like represents like where 
I guess like the sh- the stakes are like where like the character is in their life and like what this sort of like this what their their dreams of like aspiring to them could like make them escape from I guess and like the position he's in. Yeah, and again, this is somehow for a complex character. Um, eventually, Ludacris kind of gets involved playing a different rapper because I guess yeah, I guess he couldn't be. He could have just been Ludacris, in my opinion, <laughs> but maybe he could, would be bad for his image. But um, yeah, no, yeah, he plays the the character like Skinny Black that like um the DJ was that is like letting everyone know that like yeah like we used to go way back so like. Once he comes in, like, I'll just, like, be able to talk to him and, like, give him the demo tape. Which also, he's lying. He'll hear us. He doesn't actually know Skinny Black. This is <laughs> just kind of, like, his... <laughs> it's just, like, yeah. He's, it's just something he believes he can make happen, and it almost works. Um, he... Oh, oh yeah, because, like, Skinny Black, the idea is he, he was from, like, the neighborhood. So, like... And he's coming back for, like, a 4th of July party. So they get into the party because he's like, oh, yeah, I can hook you up with weed or whatever, and... And then is able to convince him, essentially, to take the tape. But then he discovers, like, basically he took the tape and then just kind of destroyed it because he got drunk and he threw it in the toilet. And Yeah, and this is where the movie, like, cranks it up to, like, nine or ten for a couple seconds. Because, um, like, after he, like, discovered... He's... Because he, um, Ludacris' character has, like, thrown it into the toilet and presumably peed on it. Um, and once uh, Terrence Howard's character, like, figures this out, he, like, starts, like, shoving... I guess he's, like, this better have fallen out of your pocket on purpose. And, like, I think Ludacris, like, starts, like, insulting him. They were, like, really chummy before, but I think that's because they were both... Um, or at the very least, Ludacris was incredibly high. Um, but Terrence Howard's character, like, starts shoving, like, the tape into his mouth and, like, punching him, like, like brutally... And then, like, one of, like, um, Ludacris's, like, bodyguards or, like, backup guys, like, comes in and Terrence Howard, like, uh, I think, like, I, I can't remember who, it's, like, a who shot, it's a Han Solo who shot first situation. I can't remember who pulls out the gun first, but um, Terrence Howard just shoots him, and then he, like, grabs another guy to, like, uses, like, a, a, like a, like a hostage-type person so he can escape, um... And then the police are at his house and he goes to jail. And this all happens within, like, maybe seven to five minutes. And that, like, th- that that was the scene that made me go, like, oh, maybe this is, like, based on, like, a true story. So they had to, like, they had to, like, make sure he's in prison by the end for it to match up right. Yeah, but it's, yeah, because it is, like, very sudden. It's, like, an ending, but, like, no, it's not, like, a true story. And then... Like, he turns himself in, and this is a thing, thing too, where it, basically he he gets, like, Nola, who's sort of just his, who's kind of just become sort of his right hand there, and basically, like, he gives him, like, his pad, like, he gives her his pad, and all, and, like, the other recordings that remain, like, the masters, and basically says, Look, you're in charge now. You have to get these songs on like the local like radio stations, and you know has his has his like good, yeah, good goodbyes and stuff. And yeah, it kind of ends with him kind of in prison, admitting he did not really know like Skinny Black, but he made that up to keep their dream alive. And then learns that Nola's been very successful at getting all these songs on the radio. And then it ends with like 
these like prison guards who have their own rap group and want him to listen to like his their demo just as like he had wanted skinny black and you know he's kind of humbled and he takes their tape and then kind of just repeats with sort of this refrain where he's like oh yeah you know what they say everybody gotta have a dream i'm not sure what he's supposed to listen to this on since he's in prison <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> you'll figure it out <laughs> It's also funny that these prison guards are like, hey, hey, prisoner, listen to our tape. <laughs> listen, star power is star power, no matter where you are. But yeah, no, I, I like this movie quite a bit. Yeah, th- like we said, kind of going into this, like this was a good year for kisses and a, and a pretty okay year for, for movies. I definitely really like uh, most of the movies on this list. But I, I don't have anything else to say about Hustle and Flow. What about you? Uh, yeah, I don't know if you were aware of this, but Terrence Howard and Taraji P. Henson are both going to get nominated for Best Kiss again. Both of them were on Empire together. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Yeah. So like another show about the music industry. That's and... really cool. That's gonna. I mean, I'm gonna. I wonder if it'll it'll stack up to this one. They got a lot to, a lot to live up to. Yeah, and it's interesting because I believe they're. I mean. Obviously, we get to the Twilight years where, like, Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson get nominated multiple times to, together, because, but it's rare to get, like, multiple, basically, it's rare to have, like, for two nominees to get nominated with each other twice for two different roles. Like, I think this, the these are like, the only ones who make that happen. Um, yeah, we can look forward to that in several years and see if that chemistry bears out and... Though also I'm pretty sure in Empire their characters are like divorced or at least constantly in a state of conflict, so maybe that adds to the kiss and experience. And with that, unfortunately, <laughs> I think we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> to just friends. Um, God. Um, a movie that is more or less about a love story or I guess a weird story about ryan reynolds and amy smart but they're not nominated for a kiss at all um the nomination for a kiss is like a weird like throwaway comedy kiss between anna ferris and it was a uh, christopher marquette who he was in um girl next door too right i think he played a very similar character he did he was in that movie and he was the he played the sort of um, questionably funny character. Oh, yeah. He played pretty, pretty similar to the one he plays in this one, honestly. I think they both use the F-slur. Um, so, or that's actually not fair. I think uh, in this movie, the character just uses gay as like a pejorative, which Ryan Reynolds does as well. Yeah, when talking about a <laughs> notebook. Um. <laughs> Which, this is one where I'm like, is it just because, like, Ryan Reynolds and Ryan Gosling had some, like, Canadian-Ryan rivalry going on? I think it's, it's like, like, and, like, I, I, I want to talk about this maybe a little bit more during the Twilight Saga, but, like, if you if you were on the internet around that time, you, you knew that there were, like, swaths of the internet where all of their humor was based around, oh, I hate Justin Bieber, I hate Rebecca Black's Friday, I hate Twilight, like, better love story than twilight and i think the notebook kind of got maybe a precursor got sort of caught up in that like this is this is for girls like this is stupid 
like despite it being like an actually incredible movie yeah i yeah like i i have the same thought where like because we did talk about this a bit last week how like notebook just seemed to get hit by like a chick flick thing and i think what it is is just that that thing of like um people largely men and then though you know no i think though i think there are also like women who were just like oh i'm not into like that chick flick stuff i'm different but just that idea of having something very popular that was not necessarily aimed at them um yeah yeah it like it happens quite a bit that like um in that yeah like whenever like something is like gaining a lot of traction I, I remember i watched a video on this that was like really really interesting about like um about like when people are like where people often like when they review movies it's like very hard for them to like kind of come to terms with the fact that like i just don't enjoy this really popular thing so they'll try and like devise like sort of external reasons for like why this is actually really bad and everyone's just stupid <laughs> um and i think that might have happened with the notebook yeah it'll be interesting when we get to like twi- twilight and stuff because i'll say even i was like caught up in that kind of oh yeah twilight's definitely bad right we all hate this even though like it's <laughs> i think my, my friend ian no, like no. loves the soundtrack at least to the first one a lot <laughs> I think he unironically loves the first Twilight like a, an insane amount. First Twilight's really good. Um, I last time we watched it, I'll be honest, I wasn't fully paying attention. Um, I don't think I, I think I've seen it multiple times, but I don't think any of them I was like engaging with it at all. I guess we'll, we'll sorry to sidetrack so much, but I I, we're, I know we're both dying to talk about just friends, but like Twilight, at least the first one, is such a visually ugly movie. It's like really hard for me to get engaged with it. Um, I'll, um, it's a very specific yeah, style. It's yeah, <laughs> ugly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely um, a choice. It's just not a choice that I uh, I enjoy. Um, but we will we'll get more into that. <laughs> I guess we get into well, more we'll, Twilight. We'll get into it, but yeah. But this, of course, is a movie about the friend <laughs> yeah, zone. Exactly. To its credit, though, I. I, I this is like the movie I watched like the farthest away. Um, I think this is the movie that I watched like right after we finished recording the last one. But from what I remember, yeah, you sent me a message where you're like, "Oh, this was pretty yeah. good," and I'm like, "Oh, this is gonna be our big fight." <laughs> I isn't don't it? think <laughs> it's that bad. I think it has a pretty healthy relationship with like the friend zone, maybe. Um, maybe, ah, oh, it's really hard to say, because it definitely doesn't, or at least it tries not to, like, reward, like, the, oh, uh, like, just, like, become, like, a weird pickup artist guy, and, like, that'll, like, then all the girls will like you. I think it definitely doesn't take, like, that stance, but it also is, like, a little confusing in its messaging. Yeah, um, yeah, to the movie's credit, it does kind of realize that, like, Ron, well, at the very least, realizes that Chris Klein, another character who is kind of caught up in a friend zone thing, and I guess Ryan Reynolds to an extent, but it realizes that there's a kind of male entitlement going on that it's unfair of them to have expe- expected that like she should be into into them just because they were fr- friendly to her. Um, to the film's detriment, it 
also ends with a joke with children where one of them realizes he's in the friend zone. So, it... Yeah, it's so... It's, uh, it's... Again, what was... I'm trying to remember the movie. I remember I've said this, like, almost verbatim before, where, like, a better director or a better anything maybe a better screenplay writer a better scripter as it's professionally called um could have tackled this and like made this a super interesting commentary but i feel like this one kind of doesn't at all um it's like unironically like like it has no difference between like this and like every hallmark christmas movie of like the girl doesn't really like the guy at first and then by the end she likes the guy it doesn't really it like i guess kind of takes advantage of like ryan reynolds characters like um i guess toxic masculinity and like entitlement to like try and like make a point that like it isn't about like having like the fancy car like being like all together and it also isn't about like um feigning these like emotional feelings and i and i I, too yeah like like you said to like the movie's credit i think it definitely does at the very least in some seats try to like hammer the point home that like just like kind of be yourself like don't try and put on some kind of facade you know and like the right people will meet the right people yeah like it i'll say yeah it's not that it's saying like all the wrong things it's also but just kind of the the way it's sort of scripted and the way it plays out. There's one where there's one where it's kind of just seems like it's paying like lip service more too. It's like, well, you know, we gotta say, look, look, just because you have friend zone doesn't mean you can like expect stuff. When um, maybe it's just expecting too much as someone who you know works with a youth group and has definitely given multiple speeches and about how the friend zone is not like a real thing that if. If you like someone and they don't like you, you should just kind of move on and... Yeah, and, like, um, I, I'm, I'm stealing this, like, directly from, like, a streamer I watch. But, like, like if you're, like, a disaffected um, male and, like, you're, like, oh, the friend zone is, like, such, like, bullshit. Like, there's always, like, two sides to this. And, like, I think there's a streamer I watch, too, is, like, a coin the frame phrase, like, the fuck zone. Where, like, imagine being, like, a girl who just wants to, like be like really close friends with a guy but it turns out all the guy wanted was like sex out of it like that is such an equal like if like there is sort of like this feeling of like oh i feel like i'm being like used emotionally that exists on like absolutely like both sides of the spectrum and i think it's like really nice to have that perspective oh yeah Uh, yeah i like that um and then, before we actually have to get into the part of this film, <laughs> uh, this film was shot in Regina and Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. That's why there are two Corner Gas characters in it. I knew that there was a reason. Um, who was the second one? I, um, the person who plays the mayor, the mayor in, in Corner Gas, I will, I feel like I can try and find him on the on the cast list. Maybe he's not, maybe he's not accredited. <laughs> Um, but he's like the he's in like the beginning. Oh, yeah. He's like the he's like one of like the agents helping um, Anna Ferris record. But he plays the mirror in Corner Gas, and then one of um, Ryan Reynolds' characters' best friends, um, I think, plays. Uh... Hey, Hank. I was yeah, you know it's... what I was gonna say, Dan. 
because of that show Dan Vermeer that came out after Cornergast ended. I was going to say Dan. I forgot his name was Hank. Yeah, um, yeah, Cornergast, which uh, for any American it's listeners... It's like Seinfeld, like, but in the prairies. Yeah, it's like a classic Canadian sitcom. Um, one of my mom's favorite shows. I have seen it many times. It holds up. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy it thoroughly. But yeah, I'm like, oh, I know this. And then I'll say, like, he... Fred Fred Wanyuek is like good in this. I'm like, oh, this is like he he doesn't have much to do. He's just kind of like the best friend, sort of. But yeah, he he, he plays like he does pretty good. Um, I think like some of like he's like a yeah. dentist. I feel like some of the dentist scenes are okay when when they're just like having a conversation. There's a scene where Ryan Reynolds goes on like a rampage, like destroying kids in hockey. Which like ends with him slap shotting it and it going off the bar and hitting him in the teeth. Yeah, that scene was pretty good. Um, I'll say watching this like it's funny because I always assume that what I refer to as the Ryan Reynolds persona, like you know that kind of like you know it's innate Ryan Reynoldsness that makes him the perfect Deadpool. Deadpool, uh, free guy, you know. <laughs> yeah, I always associate that with the twenty tens, but this film like i guess you could put right in there and it would fit (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely but yeah um the like i said like the kiss is literally just like when ryan reynolds brings anna ferris to like his hometown um him and like christopher marquette just like kiss i think it's during like the first scene um or like not like the first scene they meet each other it's just so weird that it even got like a nomination it's just such a, like, nothing kiss. It's a nothing burger of a kiss. Um, yeah, it is a really weird bit. But, well, I mean, not weird. But yeah, kind of, I guess, to get into a bit of the plot of this film, Ryan Reynolds is this guy from New Jersey. Um, In high school, for some reason, like, honestly, I... Maybe it's just... Look, it's, it's, at this point, it's 2021, and I think we're beyond fat suits being funny, really, and, yeah, because basically they have the beginning of the movie, and the poster for this on, like, the Wikipedia page, so I don't think it was the main poster, is Ryan Reynolds just kind of in this fat suit, and the idea is, like, he's an obese high school kid, and maybe that's supposed to go into just his lack of confidence or something, but, again, I think it's unnecessary, um, but his best friend is this girl Jamie. He he write he confesses his feelings by writing in her yearbook, but then he basically winds up in the hands of her ex boyfriend who reads it aloud to everyone and he's humiliated. And Janet kisses the one that she and she's like, Look, you know, you're like a brother to me and he's uh, very upset and he like vows he, Basically, he'll he'll get revenge. He'll show them. He'll be more successful. He's never going to come back here. Exactly. And I think this movie um, indulges in a little bit of uh, of jock slander that I don't appreciate. That I think I I made my point very clear last week. Um, jocks are quite nice if you get to know them. We wouldn't read out your uh, your yearbook post. I promise. 
yeah, um, and then, yeah, good, good, good for you sticking up for the jocks. Exactly, listen. <laughs> Misunderstood high school <laughs> archetype. Exactly, listen. Girl Next Door got it totally right. Like, if there's one defining trait of, like, a jock, it's, like, a superficial but impassioned enjoyment of literally anything. <laughs> That's good to know. Um, but, yeah, so then years later, the idea he's, like, he is now, uh, he now is skinny, and he lives in L.A., and he's a womanizer, and he's, like, a producer, and I think he's vice president of the company, almost, like, he, he, he's, like, very powerful, but he is asked to take, um, this pop singer that he has slept with before, but she's self-obsessed and kind of unhinged, like, Anna Ferris to Paris, but... She sets her private jet on fire, um, and they have to land in New Jersey near his hometown, coincidentally. Oh yeah, it's something where she wants a relationship with him, but they went out once and he wound up in the hospital, so he's not interested in that. And they kind of use this as a parallel, like, towards the end of the film, like, he realizes, he's like, oh, I've been treating her a bit like Anna Ferris has been treating me, except... It's not really a similar situation. Yeah, it's 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 a parallel in that like they're both like it's really t- yeah they're really not analogous at all because like um, they end up together by the end of the movie, don't they? Not um, uh, Ryan Reynolds and Amy Smart, right? They do end up together by the end of the movie. Or am I am I misremembering? Yeah. Yes, they end up together. Maybe it would have been a better film if they didn't, but. Uh, to like to be a little like I guess a little fair to like the other side is that like um, they're like really not analogous because like Amy Smart like is really like really like um, like nice to Ryan Reynolds and like that doesn't entitle him to anything but like Ryan Reynolds is like actively like really mean to Anna Faris um, his character so like they're just they're not really analogous on any level um, I guess they're analogous in the way that like just because like we had this one experience doesn't mean that I want to be with you, you know, which I guess like helps, um, help Ryan Reynolds character have from some perspective, but like, yeah, the situations are just like, um, they're not, uh, I learned how oh, I have a really smart word to use. Um, I think it's, I think it's, uh, desperate. Turns out the word is disparate. I was really close. I think there's like a, that word like means it's like the opposite or it's the, um, it means like they are analogous or maybe they're not up. Oh, you know what? I don't even know the word. I will not even use it. <laughs> um, you're, you're going to just cut it out and then it's just exactly. you say I'll, I'll look at the definition and I'll put it in post. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like, it's, it's, I guess necessary um, for like Ryan Reynolds to like have that realization moment. But yeah, it's just, it's really sloppy. Like the, I think that's honestly like, if you had to sum up this movie in one word, it would be, like, sloppy, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, so they wind up in New Jersey where he suddenly has to confront his past and his unresolved feelings for this Jamie. And he, he his younger brother, who's, like, 18, uh, Christopher Marquette, is a big fan of Samantha. And he keeps enlisting his brother to, like, distract her in various ways while he goes off and does things because she's like wait why aren't we going to paris like why do we keep getting yeah distracted by this uh at one 
Oh yeah, she's like a pop star, and she kind of wants to like branch out as a songwriter a bit. Um, it it's like a weird subplot. It just kind of pops pops up, when then while he and while he's doing this, he's reconnecting with Jamie. Um, she who's like there, and she's a teacher, but she's also like going to grad school and working as a bartender to play play for that. Uh. There's this trio of kids who don't dislike him. He injures himself being sk- during this, like, ice skating day date. Oh, yeah, that's the thing, too, where they keep hanging out in daytime, and they're like, oh, it's not a date, it's a day date. That's really weird, yeah. And I'm like, was this a thing? I, like, yeah, I'm not as, as familiar with, um... <laughs> wasn't that, like, concerned with dating in the day, but I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> But this reunites him with this other person from their high school, uh, Dusty Dinkelman, who is like a paramedic, and he, yeah, and he also is in love with Jamie, and it kind of becomes a bit of a love triangle with them. And this around the time is, I think, where we get to the kiss because Samantha is tired of like being let let around by him and. Basically, it's forcing, trying to force his brother to give him up. It's like, no, I'll never tell him. And then she kisses him, like, really quick, and he gives it up immediately? And that was somehow worry of a nomination? I guess, ah, maybe 2005 was, like, a real... I guess wouldn't have been, because there was, like, so many good movies that came out that I sure had kisses in it. You know, maybe you, like, figured, oh, yeah, Everyone remembers this. Everyone loved this film. Like it's yeah, it's like not even like a like a situation where it's like oh weird kiss, but I get the movie. Like you just want to get the movie on the list, you know. But like I, this is not like a popular popular movie. Like it's such a weird. And then to use the kiss that isn't like at the very least like the ending like romantic kiss, which is like so strange. Yeah, it's the swing between two side characters, which. I mean, not another teen movie that kiss was also between kind of side characters, but that one you kind of at least understood. Like, it's yeah. just like, um, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, but eventually... Oh, oh, yeah. There is a thing that she is starting to become interested in Ryan Reynolds' character, but he is unable to, like, Basically, he he's unable to assert himself, so they spend the night together, but nothing, like, happens. And he kind of admits, oh, the timing wasn't So, right. like, this is, like, another thing where, like, this movie had, like, an opportunity to be, like, very interesting. Because, like, they're about to do it, and, like, he's having, like, this internal monologue, and he's like, yep. And, and then I think, like, he says, like, in his head, like, and yep, and tomorrow's gonna be, like, really normal. And, like, that, like, sets him off. And, like... I think that's actually really interesting. I think this movie like could have been like a really interesting about like that weird relationship, like a little more, I guess, of like a real um, take on like that sort of like friends turning into like a relationship thing, and that like, yeah, it is like kind of weird and like awkward, um, and like that could have been such an interesting way to take the movie that the that this one just doesn't at all. It's just sort of used as a like reason why they can't be together right now and like i guess maybe and like they don't really go into it either but this could have been like a really neat like perspective he could have had of like oh maybe this is why maybe this was like a reason that in high school why maybe she was like scared to like start a relationship with me because maybe she like kind of went through like the same mental processes of like 
I really like this person as a friend. I don't want to jeopardize that, you know? Because he comes to that realization uh, in that scene as well. Yeah. But, yeah, it doesn't... Like, who has time for nuance films when you can do extended bits about Ryan and Reynolds, like, being forced to take his mom to the notebook while... It's just, like, a really, like... It's so... Ah, listen. I am going to... I'm going to expose myself a little bit um, when Ryan Reynolds says, oh, this is gay, and then it cuts to, like, two gay men kissing, and Ryan Reynolds is, like, really embarrassed about that. That's, like, a funny exchange. Um, that's, like, a pretty, like, the the joke, again, this movie, sloppy, you know? But, like, that's kind of funny, I would say. And, like... I would be less upset if, like, that was the kiss that got nominated, honestly. Um, Because it's one of those jokes that sort of, like, maybe it doesn't do it in the best way, but it really, it, like, tries to make, like, the homophobe the butt of the joke in that one. Sure, yeah, I could kind of get that. Um, But, yeah, then eventually he and Jamie have a fight after, oh, yeah. He finds out, because he's just going to leave, and then he finds out that, like, Dusty, this other person who seems like kind of this nice guy, is not. That he's that he's planning to, like, humiliate her the way he felt humil- humiliated in high school, where he's just gonna, like, have, have sex and stuff. And this is where it could almost get interesting, and he tries to warn her, but then instead he just attacks Dusty, and they get into, like, a fight a bit later on where she he says a lot of like oh yeah because he watches like her turn Jesse down and Jesse just gets upset about it and then they get into like a a big fight where like he blames her for keeping him in the friend zone and then basically it's like you'll never amount to anything and she punches him and he's tossed out but then Later on, like, she, I guess, just forgives him for this, even though, like, he said all these terrible things? Like, it's... I don't like... I would think it would be way more interesting if, um, if Dusty's character was actually just really genuine and nice. I think that would make it so much more interesting. I feel like it's one of those things, um, to draw a parallel... (laughs) Uh, I'm doing a lot of these as podcasts, but to draw a parallel to, like, um, do you know the movie Old Boy? We're a pro-drawn parallel podcast. Listen, every movie comes at least with at least 17 parallel um, topics that we could definitely branch into. Um, and I'm just choosing one of them, so you guys are lucky this isn't like a three-hour episode. But um, are you familiar with like the old boy movie, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. It's, yeah. So I, I can like give like a brief thing. So like there was, um, there was like the, the original old boy and then there was like the American remake with um, Thanos. Um, and, like, one of, there was a lot of decisions made that made, like, the remake worse, but, like, one of the most egregious is that, like, the original Old Boy is very much, like, a vengeance movie. Like, this is a movie about a guy who, like, his only, like, for, like, a huge motivation for him is just he wants to get revenge because, like, of, of what he's been through. But in, like, the remake, they had to have this thing where it's, like, we have your daughter locked up and we'll also give you a bunch of diamonds if you come save her. And it's like, like you couldn't have like 
oh, an American hero can't be motivated by anything other than, like, his family or wealth. Like, no, our hero can't be, like, complex or maybe a little bit flawed in any way. And I feel like that's, to, to bring it back, I guess, to just friends, um, that Dusty kind of represents, like, a um, a sort of a necessary character because Ryan Reynolds is, like, kind of an asshole. So you kind of need... Um, a bigger asshole in contrast for him to look at all desirable um because like if dusty was just this like genuinely nice person that would be so much more complex and nuanced to write around but it's just way easier just to have him be this like bigger asshole that essentially like um makes i guess amy smart's character realize like i guess ryan reynolds isn't that big of a dick i guess yeah, I I get what you say, and I think even if like he was still like an asshole, but it was like a bit in a different way. Like I think part of my issues with this film is it doesn't have a conception of toxic masculinity outside of like the most obvious. Oh yeah, you know the big sleeping around, treating women like objects thing. But I think like, and maybe that's just because of the time and where we are. You know, maybe I'm just judging this by 2021 standards. But I think you can make, like, a more interesting and nuanced film about, like, them being more toxic in subtle ways and, like, demanding and Yeah. Like, different ways, but they don't go that way. That's not the movie we get. Um, no, you essentially just get, like, a slightly spicier um, version of, like, a Hallmark Christmas movie, honestly. Um, it even takes place in, like, I think around Christmas. Oh yeah, this is a Christmas movie. We have not mentioned this at all, but Christmas is a backdrop for a lot of the things. <laughs> there's a subplot about how big, like, Jamie's family is onto Christmas. That, like, it's just... I guess they're for, like, yeah, flavor. Like, like a, yeah. Uh, very, it's weird that both the... To spoil, I guess, my... my uh, or I guess this actually isn't a spoiler, but it seems like some of the worst movies... Um, both this year and last year took place at had had settings around Christmas, <laughs> like yeah, Electra. Like, hmm. can, can yeah? Can we make a good good Christmas film? Well, I guess the holiday was also around Christmas, and that one was good. But yeah, uh, no, it's it's uh, there hasn't been a good Christmas movie since Die Hard, I guess. Unfortunately. Um, someone hasn't seen the Christmas Chronicles <laughs> franchise, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to give that a watch. Yeah, but yeah, I think I've, and then yeah, the movie sort of just ends with with yeah, yeah the he big realizes the error of together. his ways. He loves her. Yeah, yeah, it's just like it's such a weird, confusing message. Yeah, and then those three um, kids, uh-oh, here we go again. One of them hands a girl a cookie and she hands it to another boy and turns to the guy and she's like, you're, she's like, you're my best friend. And he's like, oh, the bestest. And then he's like, oh, no. And it's yeah, really it's undercuts like, a lot of what they're trying to say in the movie. <laughs> it really does. Oh, yeah. I don't have um, anything really else to say about Just Friends. Free Guy is a much better movie, um, much more interesting, like, it's a much more weird quasi-love story at points, 
And it's it's infinitely more interesting and cool. Yeah, my free guy take is it would be a great movie if it starred anyone but Ryan Reynolds, but Ryan Reynolds is significantly better in Free Guy than he is in this film. Um, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, of course, the best Ryan Reynolds performance of 2021 remains Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which just plays up the inherent annoyingness of <laughs> Ryan Reynolds, and you're not... He has, like, goals and things, but you don't really have to care about them. It's You just basically watch him get beat up a lot and just get mistreated by Samuel L. Jackson while Salma and Salma Hayek. It's it's really good. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, the next movie on this list is Mr. and Mrs. Smith. That kind of rhymed. That was an imperfect rhyme. Um... Yeah, the kiss between um, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. Um, I think I'm going to say right off the bat, didn't super love this movie. Not because it's bad. And I, I, I've talked about it before that, like, I really love when a movie is, like, engaging. And, like, I am, like, I'm not watching it, like, passively. Um, and, like, there are movies that I watch passively that I really enjoy. Like... Like, Brokeback Mountain is, like, a good movie, but, like, if I needed to stop watching Brokeback Mountain for, like, a week and then come back to it, like, halfway through, I could absolutely do that. Um, some movies I do not feel that way about. Some movies I'm watching and I'm like, I gotta see what happens next. I have to see the end. And this movie was, like, the polar opposite about that feeling where, like, I couldn't care less about, like, where the story was going or what these characters are doing um and hopefully i can try and like quantify and figure out why during this conversation about it interesting because i actually like this film a lot like it's it i think in terms of like the kind of modern like sort of brainless you don't have to think about that much like popcorn like thing blockbuster the idea where you just get a couple of big stars and you throw them in like some kind of action situation and have them banter and fight and whatever. I think this is, like, kind of the gold standard for it. Like, it's, like... Oh, yeah. It's that, that, rough, that might like, be true. I feel like maybe I'm like, just, uh... I might I'm be a, a little... Yeah, it's... I, I will admit my biggest, hugest bias here. Um, Brad Pitt has the stupidest haircut in existence in this movie. He looks like a fool and it's the same it's the same thing in fight club like i think once upon a time in hollywood it might have been the first time he's ever had good hair in a movie um i don't know if i can speak to that or back that up just before you go this is a pro brad pitt has bad hair podcast or something but <laughs> yeah exactly you know what i i implore any of our fans to um to message me on twitter about with any any movies where Brad Pitt has good hair, and I, I'll make a letterbox list of them. Um, true romance. Ah, <laughs> uh, you, you know what? Debatable. Um, Ooh. I think it's 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 quote unquote good hair because it fits the character. Um, but if I saw a person with that kind of hair in real life, I would go, okay, that person has kind of a bad haircut. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it fits the character. Um, in, in true romance. Uh, but yeah, I that, that may even sound like a joke, 
But there were several points in that mo- in this movie where I was genuinely distracted with how frustrated it was making me. <laughs> Which is like, I don't feel like that's even a fair condemnation of this movie, but it's how I feel, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess I can get that. Like, I didn't have much issues with his hair in this. Uh, this is a film... It's, yeah, it's directed by Doug Lyman, who did, like, Born Identity and Edge of Tomorrow and a bunch of these films, and written by the guy who d- did the later X-Men f- movies, um, arguably one of his best rips. Uh, these days, I think part of the reason it's, well, it was a huge hit at the box office, and I remember, like, it was a film where, like, critics were like, oh, this isn't that good, but people, you, you know, were, like, kind of into it a lot and at least part of the reason is very famously Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie start start up their longtime relationship in this film um which you know obviously it ended a couple of years ago under what from what we seems to be less than ideal terms which is that but like it is kind of this film that's like you want to see why, like, Brad Pitt isn't married to Jennifer Aniston anymore? You gotta watch Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And, and I think, unlike, <laughs> like, you know, Daredevil, which also had, like, a long-time, like, celebrity couple in it who sort of going after and they had no chemistry, I think the chemistry between Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie here is really good. And, like... Yeah, I, I think, um... I think, yeah, I, I think I want to be, I guess, a little more clear with my criticism. I think the performances are good, I think the action sequences are cool. I just, I think it's just like the plot in the story. And like, I really can't quantify like how much I was like, I don't really, I'm not like invested, I guess. But in terms of like the performances and like the action scenes, like they're really good. Like if I was watching like five minute clips on YouTube, like this would be astounding. Yeah, I'll I'll give that. Yes, it is like a very simple story. Like I think I can even... Sum it up in like a minute, and that the first act of the film is Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are this married couple going through like uh, a big a big rut. They're in marriage counseling. They're like can can I remember the last time they had sex? But then it turns out they're both kind of spies working for different like assassin firms. Um, we never find out who they're working for. This is. When it comes to the story, it's like, who do they work for? I don't know, the agency. What agency? What does that mean? It's like, I don't know. Like, it's... Yeah, I, I guess, yeah, I guess maybe... I think what maybe... Ah, maybe it would also take away from the movie, though. It's really hard to, like, try to figure out, like, point out what it would have made me enjoy this movie. But, like, maybe, like, a little more... Um, yeah. Because I, I guess they're fighting each other um, for, like, a good chunk of the movie. But, like, then they're working together. But when you have, like, such a vague notion of who the enemy is it's like pretty hard to get invested i guess because like it's it's just kind of like you said it's just kind of like a popcorn like action movie um yeah and and like i don't know like yeah it's simple but i think the performances and just like you know it's really fun there's good lines and stuff and that's what kind of gets it through because yeah the idea is they work for these agencies they're both sent on a job to kill this this person uh adam brody who like if you're like oh that seems like an unassuming guy to be like a yeah some big criminal you'd be right because but that's going into like one of the few actual twists in this film but basically they 
yeah, the job ends up botched, and they are assigned to kill each other, which is how they learn, oh, that they, that the other one is, like, also, a, like, a spy assassin. <laughs> so, suddenly, and then it becomes a thing where, like, they're both like, well, wait, did the other person know the whole time? Did they marry me as, like, uh, like to get information and then the second act of the film is kind of the bulk of it and what was advertised as oh and now they're gonna try and kill each other they both have like he has Vince Vaughn and she has like Kerry Washington and some other like support teams to like basically back him up Vince Vaughn lives with his mother it's pretty funny <laughs> yeah I think Vince Vaughn does a good job with it and yeah I think um I think my, my favorite parts of the movie were definitely like the the sort of like mind games and mistrust and then the fight. And I think everything just before and after that section, I just didn't vibe with super well. Yeah, because then eventually, and we'll, we'll get back to like specifics in the fight section, but eventually they have this like big massive fight. Um, they, rather than kill each other, they wind up just rekindling their romance and sleeping together. And then they learn that their agency has now put a hit out on both of them. And the last act is them fending off assassins, um, going to find, yeah, essentially kidnapping the, like, god they were supposed to kill in the first place because they want to use him as a bargaining chip. But then they learn from him that, oh, he wasn't actually a killer. He was just an intern who was hired because it was discovered, again, they don't explain how, that the Smiths were married and... Because I guess it doesn't look good if two rival spies are married to, together. They were basically sent to, essentially in the hopes that they would just kill each other. So then that brings them back together, and it ends with them fighting off a bunch of assassins inside a home decorating store. And then the film just kind of ends with them stronger than ever. It's, did they make up with their agency? Who knows? Did they start a new one? Who knows? Um, I guess there is an alternate ending to this film that shows that they move to Rome and have a kid who has similar assassin skills. Much like in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, I assume that the titular kiss is like the the sort of um, bridge between like the fight scene and like the sex scene. I'm assuming that's the one that's on the on the chopping block. Yeah, today. Yeah, that's what. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm gonna guess too, because it is like the best kiss in the movie. Um, it's it's really good. Again, it's Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. It's like two of your biggest, two of like the biggest stars at the time. Um, excellent chemistry, and that translates to like a pretty damn good kiss. Like it's. Yeah, I think they're the the kiss. That scene is is probably wonderful. Um, is I'm uh, sorry. It's probably like the reason, like this movie has like so much acclaim. Is that like that fight scene in like the house when like they're destroying everything and like guns are jamming and they're pulling out their secret guns, and uh, like Angelina Jolie like uses like sound to like shoot a shotgun blast through some drywall to try and hit Brad Pitt. It's like a really really fun scene that like bridges into like a really amazing kiss. I'd say, like, kind of destroy the home they, like, have built together, and, yeah, it's, I'll say, I definitely get you're kind of, like, not, maybe not being fully in into this one as much, like, it's, again, there isn't a lot to it, but I just think 
you know, it knows what it's doing, it knows what it's giving you, and it gives you that stuff, like, very well. Yeah, I, I feel like maybe maybe I was uh, a suffering from Electra syndrome, where because I had watched Just Friends before and that movie was kind of mediocre, some of that bitterness sort of bled into this one. And Brad Pitt had the worst, like, cut in the world. Uh, it was... I don't want to understate how, like, actually it affected me watching this movie. <laughs> uh, that being said, I will be getting a buzz cut. Uh, very similar to his in October for Halloween. Uh, one thing I want to mention is there's this point, because they have these characters, it's like this other couple who's like neighbors of them, and the, the, the like, uh, there's this guy like Martin who just keeps seeing like Brad Pitt in like odd, odd situation sort of during this act where like he's going after trying to kill her. Like it's, I think, culminating in. But basically there's this character played by Chris White who would go, who not only was like, well, who basically would go on to direct Twilight Saga, New Moon. Oh, neat. I like the little, uh, the little web that's created by this, uh, by this list. Yeah, uh, Carrie Washington, of course. Like, it's, once again, oh, I think there was another Scandal person I just forgot to mention in one of the other films this year, too, because I clocked them, like, oh, there's Scandal again. And then, like, Carrie Washington showed up again, so. Very very tangled web we weave um yeah again i just i wish i enjoyed this movie more but uh i, I think by the end i think it uh, it would be a movie that would benefit from either maybe like a shorter runtime or a more like menacing threat um or like i guess um i'm trying to think another thing that really helps in movies with like stuff like this and i guess like like you said this is sort of like a popcorn action movie but to like show like pretty early on like um like threat and danger um and like i think um what is it i feel like marvel movies and like a lot of action movies i think run into this trap where at a certain point you're in no way worried about the character um like your suspension of disbelief can only go so far where you're like i know that like none of nothing bad's gonna happen to any of these people and then it just kind of comes down to, like, the execution of, like, the action scenes. Yeah, and again, you know, that's, like, pretty valid. Like, it's it's fun to want stakes. Um, yeah, and like, I'm not saying this is a masterpiece or anything, you know. It's it's no... Yeah, it's no girl next door, but... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I He is... I don't know if we'll... Uh, we will, at some point, eventually, probably get to, like, the best villains list, but... I don't know, the Girls Next Door, Kelly from Girls Next Door, might have been my most favorite villain in all of cinema. He is just... <laughs> he's awesome. <laughs> That's the only thing, to your point, there is, like, a various... There's definitely very real stakes, and you do feel like you, that the character could be in danger every time like he has to interact with Kelly, so it's... Yeah, exactly. Um, Did you watch... Uh, Have you seen The Suicide Squad? Yes. Okay, really quick. Uh, spoilers for, like, The Suicide Squad, like, the new one. Um, This movie's really cool, because so many of the main cast dies. Like, not even, like, the first, like, joke scene with, like, the, the first, like, Team A dying. Like, a lot of, like, the main cast, but, like, half of the main cast is there by the end. Which is, like, that's, like, I really like that. I guess that's, like, the whole point of, like, the Suicide Squad. 
but I really like that. It, it really like it's it shows that like hey like any of these characters by the end could be gone. You yeah, you're saying you just want a bit more of that in there. Yeah, or just like something that's just sort of like either just a a fun villainous presence or just a like a demonstration of like oh my gosh like they could actually do something like really bad. I do understand that this might have been that that kind of movie. Um, yeah. Those are my thoughts on Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I'm sorry to all the Mr. and Mrs. Smith stands that we've had um, that were expecting me to love the movie. I'm very sorry to disappoint. I guess I can forgive you for this. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, with that, we come to Sin City, which... Which I had no clue was, like, an anthology. Like... I had no, absolutely no clue about that at all. Yeah, uh, it was based off a series of graphic novels by Frank Miller of, yeah, who uh, who did stuff like 300 and Batman Year One and The Dark Knight Returns and the Daredevil run that introduced Elektra and stuff. And it was based on a f- few, basically, Frank Miller, who is a co-director on this with Robert Rodriguez of Desperado fame for for this and basically basically took a, a few of his stories and it's something where I saw something where they describe it not so much as an adaptation but a translation where it is so much just them putting like these stories on screen like panel to panel that they don't even really have, like, a screenplay credit. They just kind of give the story credit to it, but... Yeah. Yeah, no, this was, like, an incredibly fun movie. Or, I guess, series of anthology, like, pieces. I had, like, such a good time with it. Like, um, I think, like, a good... Most of these, I think... um, I think might be described. One could describe a lot of these as sort of a, um, at least like half of these as like a male power fantasy in a way. I don't know if you got that kind of vibe while watching some of them. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, but <laughs> asterisk. I love me a good male power fantasy every once in a while. Like, hmm. listen. Writing listen. you down on the list. <laughs> <laughs> Red flag one. <laughs> like, listen, I have a very healthy relationship with my, my masculinity. Um, but that doesn't mean that every once in a while, just watching, like, a big rugged dude just punch a bunch of people and get run over by a car and, like, flip in the air is just incredibly fun. Um, especially when it's so like hyper stylized like this, like, oh my gosh, like I, I, I absolutely, um, one of my favorite things is like, um, is seeing like comic book movies, like seeing like this shot next to like the panel it's derived from. And like you said, like I, I got that. I definitely, without even knowing that, I definitely got that feeling throughout the movie of like the way certain things are framed. Like, I think I sent you that, um, that one gif of um 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 michael michael duncan um like hitting the girl in the chair and like going flying like i guarantee that's like a panel 100 percent. just the way that entire like scene like plays out 
Um, yeah, it's... Oh, yeah, I, I'm definitely sure it is. Oh, yeah, Michael Clark Duncan is in this, and I'm like, ooh, this is a... Yeah, this is a good year for the, him. Because yeah, he's also he in Talladega the, um, Nights next year, so we really are in this kind of the thing oh, of nice. Michael oh, Clark yeah. Duncan. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to watch that one. He's yeah, really like, funny again. in Talladega Nights. Um, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and like in this one, um, very similar to his Daredevil role, he plays like a very good, like, um, like menacing, even for like the short time he's there, like a very good menacing presence in the. Um, I think it's the which one is this? This one is the is it the customer is always right or is it the big fat kill? Um, it's not big fat kill. It's. It's Hold oh on. I think it is the big fat kill. It's oh yeah oh right yeah it is in the one that we have to talk about. Sorry, it's like I forgot that yeah. that's who that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's the one where the where the kiss comes from, and he sort of plays the um the the gold eye. Um, that's not like a metaphor or like a a, a, a literary or a filmography term. Like he has a golden eye. Um, villain or i guess like antagonist in this story yeah um i'm not sure how much we want to talk about like the other ones as well because i thoroughly enjoyed all of them even like the incredibly short the customer is always right um for for time's sake i think we can mainly focus on this but we can certainly give like an overall all thing thing customer is always right it's also probably pretty short that's like kind of just the beginning and end of so i this is yeah um i don't the whatever version I saw put everything in like there was no when when I saw the customer is always right it showed both parts one after the other there was no like gap in between the two um, hmm, I don't know if that, that's like the so correct like theatrical you... version I saw but the and then same with the that yellow bastard I think I saw both of those parts right one after the other yeah that that's weird because the one I watched which I think is just the one that's on like Netflix or whatever or maybe I rented it I forget what forget what i did did with this one um but like does kind of separate them into like parts which i think is because part two of the customer is always right is directly like playing off stuff that happened in the big fat kill and like this is it's a collection of stories they're all kind of interconnected a bit in that most of them kind of share a similar like are connected to this evil family the rorks um or like, or like the hard you'd buy. For example, there's one that like it briefly takes you into Old Town, which is the setting for the Big Fat Kill. Um, yeah, yeah. To kind of give like a a brief like uh, summary of like each one that isn't the Big Fat Kill. Like the customer is always right. It's just this super duper short, like like a couple minute long, like just like quick lover love scene between two characters right before one of them shoots the other um it's like a hit or something like that it's 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 just, it's just kind of cool it's like um it's very akin to like um just seeing like a, a cool like epic painting or something like there's not much there's not much to chew on but it's just kind of neat um and like you said if i if i had seen it in the correct order it might have offered some greater context but even with that it's pretty cool did it play first at least? Like it's Um, no it did not. The first one was both parts of the Yellow Bastard. Um, then I think it was the customer's always right, then the hard goodbye, and then the big fat kill. That is the order in which I saw these. Okay, yeah. So like 
Yeah, because standard order is customer is always right part one, which, yeah, basically it's about this guy, the salesman, who's like some kind of paid assassin, but essentially has been hired to like kill this woman by this woman, it seems. Like, he's never going to know like why, but he's going to just cash the check. But then the first part of the Yellow Bastard, which is, again, kind of like the main like story of the film with Bruce Willis and eventually... Jessica Alba, and then the hard goodbye, and then the big fat kill, then the second part of Yellow Bastard, and then kind of the little epilogue, which is where the one sort of um, antagonistic character from Big Fat Kill who gets away runs into, like, the salesman, and you just know, like, she's a godder. Like, it's... Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I guess I'll just give my, like, not really a summary, but just my feelings about each story leading up to the Big Fat Kill. Um, I really, really enjoyed, uh, the yellow bastard. I think the kiss in that is really weird because it's like to not give any context, um, beyond this, it's like a kiss between like what is clearly like a, not a literal, but a figurative father daughter relationship that is like super duper weird. Um, uh, the hard goodbye, like Ah, I don't know what it is. I, (laughs) like, just, like, it is just, if you could liquefy uh, male power fantasy into, like, a a injectable substance, that's what watching this felt like for me. Um, It's, like, the same feeling I get when I play, um, like, the new Doom games. It's, like, the exact same, like, visceral experience. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And then, I don't know if you want to give your thoughts on, on either one of those stories before the the big fat kill. Yeah, I'll say, yeah, I thought they were both good. It's, since, like, think of what you said with male power fantasy, I'll say, I mean, it's kind of the thing with Frank Miller's work, especially, like, recent ones, is there is a certain kind of uh, juvenileness to it? Like, it's it's definitely written for, like, young boys to go, look at this, it's like sex and blood, and oh, it's cool, and... I'll admit it, it is pretty cool. Like, the film's largely black and white with just splashes of color in certain points. Like, the gold eye Michael Clark Duncan has, or, like, the the blue eyes, like, like another character has. And it's really kind of fun to watch it play out. I'll, I'll say, in terms of stories, um, I think I might have, like, I almost would have liked to have seen the big fat kill. Like, I think it could have stood on its own as, like, being expanded into a full-length one? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think that would probably be, out of these, I think that might be the yeah. the only one that I would want to watch, like, more yeah, of. Like, I think that is... I think it's the best one. Like it's, Yeah, 100%. 1 million percent, I think it's the best one. And I think it has, like, the most, like, fleshing out that would have been, like... I think what it has is great, but, like, fleshing it... I feel like it's the only one that you could flesh out and it wouldn't feel, like, weird. Like, I feel like if I... I remember, because I didn't know it was an anthology, I had no clue, so I was a bit shocked when the yellow that Yellow Bastard just ended, um, but I remember, like, watching it and, like, sort of, like, seeing where it was going, and I kept on being like, oh, man, like, what is the rest of this going to be about, and, like, I don't really know where you can go with this, like, even if they had more runtime, like, I don't know, like, what else is required, um, but, like, with, with the Big Fat Kill, I think they definitely could have, like, put this one into like an entire like 
getting like a little bit more into um i can't remember what's the the name of the place that the um that the girls like run that part of the city like that could have been such an old interesting town. place to like old town yeah that could have been such an interesting place to like um to, like experience more of yeah and then because then i guess we can get into like the big fat kill a bit it's yeah it is old town is essentially this place that's sort of run by kind of the prostitutes of sin city uh Big year for prostitutes, T MTV like movie uh, movie awards, which you know, it's cool. It's like we're pro sex work here. It's yeah, yeah. Um, and exactly. Not only yeah, yeah. As long as they're being treated well and safe, which is tough because like there's this guy Jackie Boy who is harassing one of these these people, Shelley, um, played by Brittany Murphy, who will later be a nominee herself. Um, for a little man <laughs> i can't wait God. um and yeah but basically she is being harassed by this guy jackie boy who and this person i think he's like supposed to be her boyfriend except the kiss winds up being with someone else but it's this guy dwight M- mccarthy played by clive owen um who is essentially warning them to like leave this shelly alone and that scares him off for a bit. And then he also sees some harass. Uh, yeah. Or he sees, you know, it's a place where they're getting, like, her harassing. They're also harassing this Becky, played by Gilmore Girls' Alexis Bedell. Um, he has a, he is an, Dwight is the on and off lover of Gail, played by Rosario Dawson, who is really good in this. Um, often very good, and he's kind of just, the yeah again she's like the leader she's kind of watch watching them and yeah yeah but jackie boy gets killed by this martial arts expert uh yeah my ho just but they realize that then he is a cop and not just a cop he's considered a hero cop yeah and that's gonna cause like a big conflict because they sort of had an agreement that like there would be like a sort of a ceasefire, a sort of quasi ceasefire, as long as like neither one of them aggressed on the other, which like this is sort of broken that. Yeah, and and also the cops, like Sin City, as you might guess, it's it's not like the nice place, and the cops are kind of entwined with the mob to a degree. And basically, if if it gets out that a cop died here and was killed by them, the mob will be able to like wage war um so then dwight like he is going to take bodies to like a tar pit but he is attacked by this kind of ex-mercenary yeah who's hired by a mob boss who wants the truce to end so they can take over old town and then he's nearly drowned but again is saved by this maiho who just keeps popping up but this mercenary kind of get kind of gets the yeah gets the head of jackie boy yeah exactly it's like sort of like proof of like what happened yeah and then meanwhile michael clark duncan is a mob enforcer and he kidnaps gail yeah and then they're they're uh i guess what happens after that and then they sort of have like their their sort of um what is it they like they're able like to trap the car that they're driving in um for like a full-on like attack and there's like a big like sh- it's not really even a shootout i think like the the people or the the girls of old town um sort of like get the drop on them 
and are able just to like absolutely like um decimate everybody except for the one the one um girl who sort of like betrayed them yeah this this becky who is young is threatened with the death of her mother and just betrays them and also doesn't seem to feel that bad about it. It's kind of like she goes where, like, the power is, sort of. And then, yeah, exactly. She, she's looking out for numero uno. Yeah, but Dwight, you know, has got in Jackie Boy's head back, and he's going to trade it to, like, Michael Clark Duncan, but the head is, he fills it with explosives, and it destroys, like, the evidence, and also, like, takes out, like, the captors, and, yeah, there's a big <laughs> fight, and at some point... When is the kiss again? Is it like after that? Like is it near the end? It's I think it's like I think it's yeah, I think it's like right after or right before it. Yeah. Um but yeah, but no, it's a really, really solid kiss. Oh yeah, though. I think it is right before like the big shootout. It's kinda of that if this is Yeah, when he it. he like has the head and everything, like, he's about to like give it over. And yeah, um, another like, strong <laughs> kiss. Like really glad it wasn't the Bruce Willis Jessica Alba kiss. Um yeah, that one was, oh, I was so, I was really happy about that, um, because that one's just so weird, but, uh, yeah, um, nope, this one is a fantastic kiss from probably, like, um, like, two really great performances, I would, yeah, like, I would say some of, the, like, the best, like, absolutely the best in this. I really, I, I personally, uh, really enjoyed, um, uh, Mickey Rourke's um in this that's the, the marv like the guy for uh for hard goodbye but like the two in this one were really really good too yeah mickey rourke also very very good in this doing something and yeah clive owen and rosario dawson again it's just good chemistry it's and this is just good pulpy fun um yeah i feel like this movie made me feel the way I wish that Mr. and Mrs. Smith made me feel in that it is just kind of like, it's just not really like, I guess like kind of like turn your brain off ish, like kind of popcorny. Like this is just sort of like fun, super fun action that like you don't really have to be paying that much attention to like the very, there's clearly some like political or like sort of like stuff happening in the background. But like the main focus of the movie is just these like, really cool scenes with like really high stakes yeah it's yeah i would agree with that and it's just really cool stuff um sin sin city you know i you know it's not gonna be a film for like everyone but if you're into that kind of like this sort of pulpy like juvenile male power fantasy stuff it's like hey you might be into this Oh, and Becky, who betrayed them, like, is the one who runs into the salesman later, which... Did you recognize her when she shows up in the Big Fat Kill, or were you like, oh, it's just a little... I, I did not. It's because, like, that, that story was, like, so short, and, like, I was just really confused. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think... Next time I watch this, I will be sure to get it in order. Yeah. But, with that, I think if we're... If that about wraps wraps it up. We can get on to our movie rankings. Um, yeah. Um, I think for this one, um, it's really really tough. Um, for the bottom, oh, it's just it's actually like really tough because like oh, it's because I didn't super enjoy Mister and Missus Smith, 
I didn't super enjoy Friends, Just Friends, but Just Friends was shorter. Oh, it's so tough. I think, I think out of principle, I'll probably give Just Friends the bottom slot. And then I'll put Mr. and Mrs. Smith above that. Oh, good. That would have been a fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're good. It's your rankings. You can do what you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think right. And then the, the next one, I think right above that would be um, Hustle and Flow. Um, I was like, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Um, the kiss, or I guess the kiss, does, no, this is the movie list, not the kiss list. I have to, I have to. Uh, secularize my brain for a moment um it is just like a really fun movie i think it's got like a really nice energy it like it's it's funny when it means to be funny and it's it's goofy when it or sorry it's um serious when it needs to be like really serious i just really appreciate that um and then i think between the top two i would have to say that i think sin city just beats out brokeback mountain by like a hair i just thoroughly enjoyed how stylized and how fun this movie was um i think there's a universe where instead of sin city is like uh, an anthology it is a like a one like big long movie that i end up enjoying a little bit less just because i feel like a lot of the credit for sin city my enjoyment of it is like the pacing and the brevity of some of it um i think there's a universe where like they might make an entire movie out of that yellow bastard and i don't enjoy it as much as this what it ended up being in the end uh, but i think as it stands i think sin city would be my my favorite movie with brokeback mountain coming in at a very close second oh wow uh, yeah respectable rankings i think mine is definitely gonna be similar um just friends very firmly at the bottom not even close <laughs> then mr and mrs smith above that because again you know it's it's not like a very substantial film. It's just a very fun one. Um, then Hustle and Flow. Actually, no, no. I think I'd have like Sin City before Hustle and Flow. Uh, Flow, just because Sin City is one where I think like it definitely has like one of the stories is str stronger significantly than the other ones in my opinion. So yeah, so Sin City firmly in the middle, still very good. Then Hustle and Flow, and then just Brokeback Mountain, like, yeah, it's a classic. It's just incredible. It's, it's not much more to say other than it is insane that it lost Best Picture to, like, Crash, a much, much worse movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is crazy. But how did the kisses do? I, it's going to be very similar. I think right smack at the bottom is like the best friend's kiss. Just like probably the worst kiss in that movie by far. And like even that, it's still a bad kiss. Even if it were the only kiss. Um, I would say, and like I think similar to last week, these next four are honestly so close that it's really hard. Like these are, the top four are so far away from the fifth, it's unreal. But I think right above that, I would probably put the Mr. and Mrs. Smith kiss, then the Sin City kiss, um, and then just, uh, it's really, really tough. Um, but just barely squeaking above Hustle and Flow would be the Brokeback Mountain kiss. Because like as much as I feel like um, Brokeback Mountain, I feel like was 
a better movie than Hustle and Flow um, in a lot of areas. Like, the kisses in both those movies are just so very, very close, though. But I think Brokeback Mountain squeaks out a bit on top for that one. Um, yeah. Again, I think my rankings are going to be... I want my all... Yeah, almost be, like, the same. Yeah, Just Friends, again, the firm bottom. And then, like, this is, like, four very good kisses. And then Just Friends. Um, honestly, probably one of our strongest kissing years in general. But, like... Almost perfect, but A. And then, yeah, the Mr. and Mrs. Smith kiss. Then Sin City, and yeah, this was one where, like, much like last year, year where I was like, oh man, am I gonna, like, just deny this iconic kiss from, like, this one that's almost just as good? And, like, like I was only considering, I'm like, do I want to give it to Hustle and Flow here, but Ultimately, I think Brokeback Mountain just just kind of, like, t- takes it above it. Like, Gyllenhaal, it's it's just such a soulful film, and Gyllenhaal and Ledger, like, you, you, you know, like, are just great in it. I also think it's import, important a bit that, like, you know, Academy definitely made the right call here on this one. But it's also interesting that this is kind of the first sort of same-sex kiss that, like, is just kind of meant like a, ro- a romantic kiss. Like, Cruel Intentions was just kind of for the thrill of it, and American Pie 2 we've got into, and I think this is important that this is two men who, like, have a very strong bond and share, like, a very lovely moment and then a very passionate, like, kiss. Yeah, absolutely. Like, this is... It's not our first... um it's not like the first like very tasteful um like same sex kiss but it is like the first like winner of of that which is like really really good or not i guess not tasteful like the cruel like the cruel intentions one i guess is kind of uh, it's not tasteless but it's definitely like not like you said it's not like it's not too like people that are in love you know yeah like it's it's really just about the path like the kind of like oh wow this is a big epic kiss but yeah, with that, I think that about wraps it up. Like, you made the right call on this one, MTV Movie Awards. The right kiss did win here. Um, yeah. Though, if they gave it to Hustle and Flow, would not have been upset. No, I definitely would have been, wouldn't have been either. Um, I think, like, it would have been, I would have been like, huh? Um, but then I would have seen the movie and seen the kiss and went, oh, okay, now I get it. Yeah, again. Look up the Hustle and Flow kiss. It's, like, really good, hard to describe, but, like, it's a good kiss. And with that, I think we are on recommendation of the week. So what you got this week, Ben? Yeah. Um, so while we were doing this, um, I was I thought about a kiss. Because um, I think next, or a little bit of a spoiler for what you're about to say, like, right after this. So next year, we have another same-sex kiss that's more com- that's comedic um in nature from talladega nights and that got me thinking of like a very similar kiss from a, a movie that you might have seen or heard of called basketball by uh trey parker and Matt um, i have not heard of this oh, okay then there's my recommendation of the week there is this movie called basketball um where essentially it t- it's from 1998 and it uh 
takes place in like a world where like sports have been like so commercialized that they're like and like uh like um like they're all really fake like there's just like a bunch of like uh like there's like tigers in baseball and like football they're allowed to use cars um so this is all in like the preamble to the movie um and in this uh trey parker and matt stone's character like invent this game called basketball where it's like it's kind of like baseball but instead of hitting home runs you go for baskets like basketball baskets it's a very like over the top sort of naked gun airplane-esque like um slapstick-ish comedy um that has like a super duper like out of nowhere like really passionate kiss between trey parker and matt stone very similar to like the um the talladega nights one but it is just like it just comes out of absolutely nowhere and it's also like it's also like the um the capstone or like the turning point of like they were like fighting for a long time and now they're back to being friends so like it's just kind of and it's also like a beautiful scene like they're like in like a they're surrounded by tiki torches and like they're both wearing like hawaiian garb it's just it's an insane i can't really describe it super well it's like the con it's the context of the movie but like it's a bit raunchy it's a little bit it has a little bit of gross out humor um but if you if you enjoy like from the, the South Park guys, no. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say if you enjoy a lot of like the irreverence and like stuff like South Park, or if, even I guess too, um, if you wanted sort of a a sort of trashy, I guess even more like MTV movie version of like something like Airplane or um, Naked Gun, like something even more raunchy than those movies, um, but in like the same I guess genre basketball is the movie for you um i caught this movie on a whim back when um tv used to exist and i didn't just stream everything because i i was really confused because it, it just had a really silly name and that is my recommendation of the week basketball by trey parker and matt stone no that sounds really cool i've never thought about that much but huh. yeah director uh is david zucker okay yeah so literally like the one of the naked gun guys, so. Um, I know oh, that. I actually didn't know that. <laughs> that makes okay, so much so. sense. <laughs> the more you learn. Yeah, so my recommendation of the week. Hmm. Um, oh, I know. So, watch Cinderella. It was on 2021, just released on Amazon Prime. Directed by Kay Cannon, who wrote the Pitch Perfect films and directed Blockers, um, a film we both love. It is a film that has gotten a lot of negative buzz. It's If you go into this thinking, oh, this is going to be a bad movie, oh, Cinderella's a girl boss, then yeah, you're probably going to dislike it. But if you, like me, go, you know what, this is going to be good, and you sit down, you're probably going to enjoy it. It's a jukebox musical James Corden voices, like, a mouse, and there is a scene where he, when transforming back from James Corden into a mouse, gets stuck, like, halfway through, and it's James Corden's head on a mouse body, which is probably gonna, like, be the, the, like, image from this film that just goes around, and it's really funny, um, Pierce Brosnan is in it, and... After him not being the guy who can really sing in Mamma Mia, there's another joke there about how he can't really sing. It's really good. Um, 
And yeah, it's Camilla Cabello. It's maybe people have beef with her. I'm, I'm not up on this like music world thing. I think she's really charming in it. And yeah, give Cinderella a shot. And now we are on to plugs. So Ben, what you got? Oh, do, um, I have my Twitter um, at FutAlby. That's F-U-T underscore A-L-B-E. Um, also my Instagram, Not2Pens. That is N-O-T underscore two underscore P-E-N-S. And then those are my two things. I mean, why am I saying it's the same things we do every week? Um, but cool. You can find me on Twitter at Like a Wolverine and on Letterboxd the same, where you can also find a list of movies we cover from this podcast in case you've forgotten, or if you want to see all the connections, because sure, eventually we can draw connections between all these films if we really tried. Um, yeah, the, the web is, is infinite. Um, and we've both met an actor from Brokeback Mountain, so we're in that web too. Oh, wow. I never thought of it like that. Um yeah um our theme song is done by matt samard who i don't think was at that party and did not meet the broke back yeah it's you can find us on twitter at gold popcorn pod you can email us at past the golden popcorn at gmail.com um if so if you want to send ben your takes on brad pitt's hair that's where you should go <laughs> yeah. i don't remember what his hair looks like in um in whatchamacallit oceans so maybe it's good in that uh, if you like this podcast tell your friends if you don't like this podcast tell your enemies um whatever it takes to get those listens up just rate view subscribe all that jazz and yeah, I think all that's left to do is tell you what's coming up for next year. Uh, I think I can do this one. I just I read them in my head, and I think I can pronounce them all. <laughs> all right, all right. So for next week for the twenty or the two thousand seven MTV Movie Kiss Awards nominees are Cameron Diaz and Jude Law in The Holiday, Columbus Short and Megan Good in Stomp the Yard. Mark Wahlberg and Elizabeth Beth in Invincible. How is that the one and, you almost got wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, uh, Marlon Wayans and uh, Brittany Daniel in Little Man. <laughs> and then the winner um, is Will Ferrell and Sasha Baron Cohen in Talladega Nights. The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. I almost got it. Elizabeth, Elizabeth messed me up, but I almost got it all. Yeah, other than that, you, you got them all. Um, so yeah, it'll be a fun one. I love Talladega Nights. That's kind of your tease for this one. <laughs> this is maybe the one, the one good like, uh, yeah, same same sex comedy kiss, play for laughs, where one of the characters is like ostensibly straight so yeah yeah it's like it's um yeah and like that that i think that's the kind of kiss that like i think exists also in basketball that's kind of what it reminded me of yeah so until next time i guess keep passing that golden popcorn and 
just remember, um, there's no such thing as the friend zone. Exactly, you know? Um, yeah. And, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal may have wished that he could quit, or he knew how to quit Heath Ledger. Um, I hope you never, uh, wish that you knew how to quit this podcast. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Keep listening forever, please. Um, goodbye. Catch you on the flip side. Flip it a flip. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Here is my sneeze, Paul stretched. The more you learn.